Well, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's a statement that rang very true to me growing up as I found myself standing in the center of Clay County Detention Center, taking the rap for two of my friends. And I mean, don't, don't get me wrong, we were all three guilty, but I was the one going to jail. And I'll never forget my dad coming to bail me out of jail. And we were on our way home, driving home in the silence of the car. And my dad looks over at me from the driver's seat. And I remember his eyes as they met and he said, Sean, you are who you run with. And I want to be honest, I was a little bit aggravated by that because I knew that he was talking about my friends and I like my friends and I didn't, need any, I didn't need any help at all picking my friends out. But all my dad was saying is, listen, if you would learn to choose a different circle, you may find yourself going in a different direction. Then he'd say things like this all the time. He'd be like, if you lay with dogs, you'll get fleas. And, and I was like, my dad was like the king of one-liners growing up, you know, it was like, and I didn't even get that. I'm like, what does that mean? Like if I lay, I was offended by like, I'm not laying with dogs, dad, you know? But now that I'm older, I understand what he was talking about. As I look back through life, I kind of get it more. As, as a matter of fact, I am so confident today that choosing your relationships wisely is one of the most important things that we can do in our entire life. So much so that where you are going in life is always connected to who you are doing life with. Because you're the sum total of your five closest relationships. And that ought to scare some of you to death right now. Because you ought to be thinking about the five people that you're closest to and where they're going in life. So it should be an aha moment or an oh no moment or yes, we're on the right track. But you're, the, you're, the, you're like the sum total of those five relationships, whether they be good or bad. You are who you are and you are where you are because of the people that you have allowed in your inner circle in life. Think about it financially. Take your five closest friends. You're probably not making more money than them. You're not making less money. You're probably somewhere right in the middle. I mean, even, even morally, if, if you're in here right now and you got stoned last night, chances are three or four of your friends were stoned too. I mean, why are you looking at me like that? Like nobody in here got stoned last night. Like in a church this big, it, pro it probably happened. And if you're hearing that you, we're just glad that you made it, right? <laughs> or maybe you're pursuing God and you are chasing after God with all that you've got inside of you. If that's you, chances are you've got three or four people that are very close to you, that are encouraging you and they're pushing you to get close to God. So like it or not, our parents were right. You are who you are run with. And I think that's why Solomon wrote this. Walk with the wise and become wise. Like if you want to be wise today, find people that are wise and go hang out with them. If you want to be better, go find people that, that are doing better than you at life, that are further along in life than you are. And then go build a relationship with those people because they're going to take you further in life. Or you could do what the second part of this says, for the companion of fools 
suffers harm. I'm pretty sure that this is the verse my dad was talking about on the way home that night from jail saying, listen, if you would choose your friends differently, you might find yourself going in a different direction. He goes on and he says this, he says, this iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another person. Like if we're hanging out with people that are sharp and they've got their life together and they've got goals that are set, they're going to sharpen us and they're going to make us better. He goes on to say this, one who has unreliable friends, or let's say it like this, one who has unhealthy relationships soon comes to ruin. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. And that has to make you stop and pause for just a second and ask, am I, hang, am I hanging out with the right people? And yeah, I'm talking about your boyfriend. I'm talking about your girlfriend. I'm talking about the people that you spend time with on the weekend, those that you go to the lake with, those that you vacation with, like the people that you hang out with, are they the right people? Are they going to take you further in life? Because every relationship that we have has the potential to undermine our future. So much so that the most important decisions of your life will not be moral, they will be relational. And I know that's a huge statement, but it's so true. The most important decisions of your life, they are not going to be moral. They're going to be relational. Think about it. Even Jesus said it. Jesus said like the most important commandment is this, to love God and to love people. That's relational. Parents, your children's most important decisions in life is not going to be, they're not going to be moral decisions. They're going to be relational decisions. Like who they're hanging out with after, after school, who they're sitting with at lunch, who they're going to the playground with, who they're hanging. Those, those are important decisions and we ought to be paying attention to that. And we know that as parents, but the sad part about it is, is we, for, we, be, we, we forget that as adults. Like the people that we're hanging out with affect where we are going in life because the relational will always guide the moral. Think about marriage even. Maybe you're sitting out there and you're thinking, I want a better marriage. Are you hanging out with somebody that has a good marriage? I, when I got married, I didn't know how to be a good dad. I didn't know how to, how to be a, a good husband. So I started seeking out people that had good marriages. And I can still remember people like Jim Lewis in my life. And I know you all don't know him, but I know him. And he made a huge impact on my life. I started watching people like a guy by the name of C.G. Collins that I watched the way they loved their wives and loved their family and even loved strangers. And it impacted me because they were wise people. So I just sat at their table and just soaked it up. Or even finances. Maybe you want to be in a financial situation that is good. Are you hanging out with people that have got their finances in order? Or spiritually, you want to be more spiritual this year than ever? Are you hanging out with people that are going to push you to get closer to Christ? Or what about this one? What about, listen, like, I just want to be in shape. Are you hanging out with people that eat Twinkies all day? Because that's going to affect you. Like before I came here, I'm going to be honest. I was, I was hanging out with some guys and they rode motorcycles and they stopped at the buffet and it was fun. And then they hired me on here and they give me an office and I'm sitting in the office and I'm trying to get everything like situated and trying to learn everything. And I don't know if you all have noticed this or not, but everybody that's on staff at the Creek, they're health fanatics. They're health nuts. 
So every day I've got somebody on staff walking by and be like, have you started lifting weights yet? You started going to the gym? You doing CrossFit yet? And I'm like, no, no. And one in particular was Jonathan Bright. This dude, I mean, he, he would not give up every week. Have you started lifting yet? You going to the gym yet? And I'm like, no, Jonathan, just trying to get settled in, man, trying to get things situated. And finally, he got tired of listening to me, I guess. So he walks by one day and he's like, do you bring your clothes to work out? And I was like, no. And he said, bring them tomorrow. You start tomorrow. I was like, yes, sir, Mr. Jonathan, sir. I'll be here tomorrow. He's like, you don't argue with Jonathan. Have you seen Jonathan? He looks like, he's just like, busting out of his chair. He looks like Vin Diesel walking around with a washboard stomach. So I was like, yes, sir, Mr. Jonathan, sir. So I started working out. So this time next year, hopefully I look like Jonathan, you know, I don't know. I'm going to try. It's, it's, it's a long shot, but you know what I realized? That's what real friends do. Real friends don't give up on you. But the problem today is many of us choose the illusion of companionship to avoid the demands of real friendship. See, we live in the day in the age of social media and smartphones today. And I want you to understand that those are unreliable friends. They're just like the Proverbs said, you can't, you can't trust them. And we spend countless hours on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, and you may have 500 friends, you may have 1,000 friends, you may have 3,000 friends who want to poke you and play games with you online, but I promise you, they will not be there when all hell breaks loose in your life. And you might say, well, couldn't you be more positive? All right, I'm positive. They will not be there when the wheels fall off of your life, right? They're not gonna be sitting on the couch next to you when your life is turned upside down. Do you know why? Because being a real friend's hard work. Being a real friend is hard work. And, that, and that's why I'm thankful for friends like Jonathan that didn't give up on me. He could have said, you know what? I've tried four or five times. Actually, he tried four or five weeks. <laughs> but, but to come by, just give up on me. He kept coming by. He kept saying, this is important and I'm not gonna let you sit there. So get your clothes together, we're going. And see the day, today's, it's, it's weird because we have more access to people than ever before. Through social media, through the internet, but a recent Gallup poll showed that 72% of people feel like they are more alone than ever. That's crazy. Like 72%, that's a really high number. Like that means like a lot of you sitting in here, a lot of you that are watching online and even myself at times, I feel alone with people all around me. And I just think it's amazing that so many people today are trying to walk through life alone. And they do it because they've had a, a, a bad relationship, something bad happened in their life. So they're just like, I'm writing everybody off. I don't need anybody in my life. I can do it by myself. And men are the worst. Men walk around with their chest stuck out like, I've got life figured out. And you don't. Be honest. We don't know what we're doing half the time. We just hope we're doing it right. And that's the truth. It made me think of a guy by the name of Muhammad Ali. And most everybody probably knows who Muhammad Ali is. He was one of the greatest boxers of all time. Probably one of the funnest guys to watch. He was very proud of himself. He'd always give a good sound bite if you could catch him on television. And just, just really flamboyant and fun to watch. And they said that he was getting on an airplane and he sat down on the airplane and they couldn't get him to put his seatbelt on. So the stewardess walks up to Muhammad Ali and she looks down at him and she says, sir, 
you need to put your seatbelt on. And Muhammad Ali looks right back up at her and he says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. And the stewardess being very witty and quick on her feet looks back at Muhammad Ali and she says, and Superman don't need no airplane either. Put your seatbelt on, you know? <laughs> but isn't that what we need? We need somebody in our life from time to time just to tell us the hard truth, just to be real with us. And I believe we can find a man in the Bible that understood how important relationships are, healthy relationships. Not only that, he understood how bad it was to be alone. Solomon wrote this, he wrote again, I saw something meaningless under the sun. Why did he write that? I'm gonna tell you why, because he had already been there and he had already done that. He had lived long enough, he was supposed to be the wisest man in all the world, the richest man in all the world, and all of a sudden he realizes, he says, you know what? There was a man all alone. What was the man? He was alone. He said, there was a man all alone, he had neither son nor brother, there was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not intent with his wealth. And then he looked and he said, from whom am I totally, why am I doing all this work? And he goes on and he says, why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaningless. He said, it's a miserable business. Solomon, the richest man in the world, had everything you could imagine he seemed to have it all and yet was missing everything because he came to the conclusion that joy was not connected to a thing, it was connected to a who. And most of us have probably lived long enough now that we realize that it doesn't matter about the things that we acquire, it's who can we share it with. Solomon goes on to say two are better than one. And I have to agree with Solomon here. Because I've done a lot of work in life and I've, I, I've, got to, I've dug ditches and I've dug ditches alone and I'm gonna tell you, it's better with two people. You get a lot more done. It's a lot funner with two people, by the way. But he says two are better than one because they have a better return for their labor. He goes on and he says, if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. And let me just pause there to say this. Everybody sitting in this room Everybody that's watching online right now, there will be a time in our life when we fall down. And we're gonna fall down and it's gonna hurt and we're gonna need somebody to help us up. Now you could be a religious Pharisee sitting in the crowd right now, thinking that you've got your life all together, looking down your nose at other people that, that doesn't seem, they're, they're just not where you're at. And you just feel like you're so much better. But listen to me, friend. There's gonna be a day that you're gonna fall and you're gonna need somebody to help you up. Solomon even said, pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. We all need somebody. We all need a group. And that's what I wanna talk about for just a few minutes. We all need a group. And listen, I love Sunday morning service. I love to come in here. I love Rose. I think that we've got the best worship team on the face of the planet. I'd be willing to put them up against anybody. I love to come in here and listen to Pastor Trevor and Pastor Austin and Pastor Ryan. And I could keep going. I love all of those guys. But can I be honest? I need more. I need more than the ordinary run-of-the-mill church service. I need a group. 
I need somebody that I can take my mask off. I'm tired of coming into church all the time and somebody said, how are you doing? I'm like, I'm doing great because I'm not always. I need somebody to be able to take my mask off and say, man, this is going on in my life and it's horrible. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking, listen, I tried those groups last time and I didn't like them. And I didn't like the people in it either. Well, here's a news flash. They probably didn't like you either. <laughs> and they're probably glad you're gone. But listen, I like to eat. And if I go to a restaurant that I don't like, I don't stop eating. I find another restaurant to go to. Like, I like McDonald's, but I like Red Lobster a lot better. Are you, are you getting the picture here? Like, don't stop just because you didn't like the first one. You'll find one that's for you. And I know some of you are thinking, well, it's just not me. I'm really introverted and I'm shy. And, and I don't know, all that kind of weirds me out. I can't imagine walking up to some stranger's door and knocking on it. And then they're going to open the door. And there, everybody's going to be looking at me. And I'm not going to know what to say. Can, can I give you some wisdom? I'm going to drop some wisdom on you. All right, here, here it is. Get over it. <laughs> get over it. Because we need each other. And I, and I get it. You're fearful. You're afraid. You don't know what's going to happen if you go to a group. And I get it because Christians are weird. They are. I get it. And you're scared to death that you're going to show up at somebody's house and you're going to walk in and they're going to have a circle of chairs set up. And there's going to be one in the middle and it's going to be yours. <laughs> and they're going to want you to confess all of your sin and you're going to. And then all of a sudden they're going to get up and they're going to lay hands on you and cast out a devil and have an exorcism and somebody's going to have a cross and they're going to be looking at you going. <laughs> and then you're going to be thirsty. And you're going to go to the kitchen to find that all they have to drink is Kool-Aid. And all of your suspicions are going to be confirmed. I'm just kidding. That's not what happens at a group. And if it is, let us know because it shouldn't be, right? So let us know that. It reminds me of a quote by C.S. Lewis. Listen to what he says. He says, friendship is born at that moment when one person says to another, what? You two? I thought I was the only one. And I read that and I started thinking, you know, I'm 37 years old. And, and, and if you're older than me, listen, you don't have to catch me after the service and tell me how it's going to get worse. I understand it's going to get worse. But, but I'm 37, and I'm realizing, like, my body's changing. Like, I literally got up one morning, turned to get out of the bed, and almost hit the floor because my knee gave out on me. And I was thinking, what in the world is going on with me? But I've noticed that I'm getting around people that are my age, and I'm listening to them talk, and they're saying, hey, this is going on with me. This is happening. And I'm going, yeah, me too. Hey, that's happening to me too. I got that. I've got that too. And that, hey, that's what you're going to find in a group. You're going to find people that are going through things that are hard. They're real and they're going through real life problems because listen, the creek is filled with people that have problems. There's nobody here that's perfect. We all have issues. Like I've got issues, you've got issues, the person sitting next to you have issues. And if you're out there and think you don't have any issues, that's your issue, right? <laughs> you know, we all got them, we've got issues. But I need a place where I can be real. A place that I can take off my church mask and sit around a, a, a table or a living room with somebody and say, you know what, man, I'm mad. I'm upset, I'm so hurt right now that I wanna whatever, you know? This is going on in my life. 
And I've got these issues going on in my life. And you know what's going to happen? Somebody's going to look across the table, across the living room at you, and they're going to go, hey, I got that too. Me too. Because you've got to understand today that alone is the enemy of progress. Alone is the enemy of progress. So whatever you do, do not go through life alone because life is going to happen and you're going to need somebody from time to time to lean on and to call and to count on. We all do. And if you get in a group, that's what you're going to get. You're going to get people that's going to encourage you. They're going to support you. They're going to pray for you. And, and I don't know that anybody doesn't want that. We all want that. UCL, uh, let's see. UCLA, that's it, UCLA. They did a study and they said that we all need eight to 10 meaningful touches a day in order to be healthy. Not a church, UCLA said all of us, we need eight to 10 touches in order to be healthy today. So let's all stand up and hug a stranger. No, I'm just kidding, don't do that right now. Don't, don't do that. Uh, some of y'all are like, I'm never coming back to this church again. I knew they were gonna do this to me. But those of you that were wise said, I'm sitting beside somebody that's hot next week. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be a little more strategic about this next time. Yep, I see some of you looking around the room right now thinking, where can I go next week? Where can I go? Yeah, but see, we're trying to make this easy for you. We're trying to make it easy for you to get into a group and find a group. You've got a card in front of you right now. You can grab that card. You can fill it out. Check, I'm interested in a group. But listen, if you do that, because I get the card sometimes, put your name on it. Put your email address and your phone number. If you just mark a group, I don't know what to do with it. So like, fill it out. Take it out to the next steps uh, station after we're finished and give it to the next step volunteer. They're gonna love to take it. Talk to them. They'll help you get into a group. You can go online. Emily and Pastor Ryan have done a great job at fixing all that online where you can go in and hit like Wednesday, five o'clock, and it's going to tell you what, what's going to be available for you to get in. But we're trying to make it easy. And you're asking, is it going to be weird? Yeah, I promise you, it's going to be awkward at first because you're trying to get to know and learn new people. But give it a couple of weeks. Because after you give it a couple of weeks, you're going to begin to realize that these people that you're sitting around are just like you. And they're going to become some of your very best friends because it's going to take the help of another person for me to be the person that I need to be. It reminds me of a story about one of my friends named Melinda. We were getting ready to start a small group and she called me and she said, hey, Sean, do you care if I bring my boyfriend to your group? And I said, no, I don't care. Bring him. She said, well, listen, he doesn't like church. He's not crazy about church people. And I'm like, that's great. Bring him on. So they show up to our first meeting. We're at, we're at my house in the living room. I've got like coffee, we've got like finger foods. Everybody's kind of mingling and they walk in and I kind of shake his hand and meet him. And we all sit down and get started. And we start introducing each other and like, hey, what's, this is what I do, my name and you know, all that stuff that you do. And then the meeting's over and everybody's kind of mingling again. So I thought, I gotta be a good host. So I walk up uh, to James and I'm like, hey James, my name's Sean, I'm glad you're coming. I realize you guys are driving all the way from Manchester to Barberville to hang out. So our books are $12 a piece. What I'd like to do is, my, me and my wife, we'd like to pay for your all's books. This dude looks back at me in my own living room and stands this close to me and he says, how about this? How about if I get anything out of this group, I pay for it? And I was like, okay. 
<laughs> Whatever. Yeah, sure. So he leaves, and I'm thinking, man, this is going to be a hard case. I'm talking to my wife about it. So two weeks go by, three weeks go by, five weeks go by, and we're getting to know James, and all of a sudden I get a phone call, and it's James. He's at work. He works at the prison in Manchester, and he's crying. And he says, man, with all the things that's been going on in our group, I've realized that I need to be saved. And would you lead me to the Lord? So I led James to Jesus on the phone while he's at the prison, hiding from all the inmates because he don't want them to see him crying. And I'm at home. And the next week I get to baptize James. And then the next week our group had a re-birthday party for James just to show him how much we loved him. That's awesome. But it gets better. James began to tell me that him and his girlfriend were, and this is funny, they're, they're living together. And he's like, some of my friends at work said that we, we shouldn't be sleeping together. And I was just wondering if there's a loophole in that for the Bible. And I was like, sorry, man, there's not. Uh, so, and he's like, well, we need to get married then. So I got to marry them. I didn't know if I should tell that, but it was funny. So it's, it's true. And then James keeps opening up and he looks at all of us one day in the group and he says, my mom has cancer and she's dying. So my group got together and we began to get cards and we wrote cards out and bought gifts for her and we sent them through James and James just couldn't believe it. He'd never been around a group of people that he could lean on in a time like that. And he ended up calling and asking me if I would do the funeral and I was honored to do it. And today, James and I are still close friends, and he serves every single week at his home church over in Manchester and is on fire for Jesus. But that would not have happened without a group. See, healthy relationships help you get from where you are to where you want to be in life. So what's the application? If alone is the enemy of progress, what do we do? Here's what we do. We pursue we pursue those relationships, we build the relationships, and then we maintain healthy relationships. Find people who make you better, take you further, lift you higher, and lead you deeper. And please don't be this person, because I know people, and I've been around people enough, and they're walking out and they're saying, well, if they want me to be in the group, they'll ask me. That's not what we're talking about, because we're all busy. And you know as well as I do, you could go out into the foyer and be busy talking to somebody and somebody walk right past you and you'd never know it. So if you want to be in the group, find the group leader, pursue them, build the relationship, maintain it. And you're going to watch things happen in your life that you never imagined could happen. And it's going to be hard work at times because real friendship is hard work. You're going to have to have awkward conversations from time to time. But it's worth it. Maintain it. People are messy. I'm messy. You're messy. We're going to have to deal with hurt feelings, but it's all worth it. Because who you travel with in life determines where you end up in life. You know, wise people never travel through life alone. Never. Because alone's dangerous. But healthy relationships are a big deal. And healthy relationships can keep us safe. We need more today. I mean, I, we need more today than the illusion of friendships. We need more than Facebook and social media. 
We need real, deep, authentic friendships. And I know some of you are sitting out there right now and you're thinking, you know what? I have been in unhealthy relationships for so long. I don't even know what they look like. Well, I'm glad that Paul gave us a picture of what it looked like in the book of Corinthians when he wrote this. He said, love is patient. Love is patient. We could replace that with healthy relationships are patient. You know why? Because you're hard to love sometimes. And I'm hard to love sometimes. But when you're in a healthy relationship, they look at you when you're going through a hard time and they say, you know what? I don't know what's going on in your life right now. I don't know why you're acting the way you are. But I love you anyway. It says love is kind. You know what that means? That means that we're in a relationship. We're in a group of people where we're just continually pouring grace out on each other. And I don't know about you, but I don't need judgmental eyes on me. I need grace-filled eyes on me. And that's what you're going to find in a group. People that are, are going to love you patiently. They're going to love you kindly. They're not going to envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. He goes on and he says, it does not dishonor others. We're not tearing each other down. We're building each other up. And I don't know about you, but I'm tired of relationships where it's all the time a constant work because I'm trying to get to that place. I love the relationships where they're always encouraging. They're always telling you how great you're doing. And they're lifting you up and pushing you forward. They're not self-seeking. It's not about what I can get from you. It's about what can I do for you. They're not easily angered. And, and I love this part. You know why people are so easily angered today? It's because they are keeping a record of the wrongs. But I'm so ready to be in a relationship where they said, you know what? I'm not keeping a record of the wrongs. They're going to treat you every time you fail. They're going to treat you like it was the first time. Wouldn't that be nice? He goes on. It says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. Like, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. I'm not going to be sus suspicious of you. I trust you. Always hopes. Always perseveres. So let me ask you a question. Who's influencing you? Who's your group? Who's your five? Are they pushing you forward or are they pulling you back? Or are you in the miserable, meaningless business of trying to go through life alone? Together is a much better way to get from where we are to where we want to be. Because who you travel with in life determines where you end up in life. You're only as good as the group that you choose. And we invite you today to leave your roles and to join a circle. A circle that may change your life just like it changed James's life. Because it's impossible to walk through life alone. So you know what? You're invited. You're invited to join some of the best groups in the state of Kentucky with some of the best group leaders on the face of the earth. People that are gonna love you past your mistakes. People that are gonna love you past your mess. And you're gonna find a group that is gonna take you further than you thought you could ever go. But the decision you make today can affect you for the rest of your life. 
So let's pray together. Father, I love you today. And Lord, I thank you so much for who you are in my life. Lord, I thank you for the relationships, the rich relationships that you've brought into my life. People that's pushed me further, that wouldn't allow me to, to settle. And Lord, I pray for those of us that are in here right now that we get, we get uncomfortable and we're scared to move out just a little bit further to put ourselves out. So Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would be a people that pursue relationships. And we don't just pursue them, but then when we get them, we build them and we maintain them. Lord, I pray for each person in here right now. Lord, but by the end of the day, they would think, who is my five? Who are my five? What are they doing? Are they pulling me back? Are they pushing me forward? And Lord, that we would make the necessary adjustments. And Lord, I ask that in the name of Jesus Christ. And amen.